the Red Raven Games Podcast, episode 20. Woo, the big 2-0. I know, so many episodes. Nice. I'm Ryan Lockett. I'm Brenna Asplund. Hi guys, I'm Andrew Frick. How's it going? Pretty good. So, uh, what 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 have you guys been doing the last week or so? I've been busy working on games yep. <laughs> pretty much all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's been really busy. We, it's been really. I, I'm loving this. I'm loving this creative part that we're we're in right now. So yeah, it's sort of a creative blitz right now. It's sort of just mm-hmm. game after game after game. Hey, I came up with an idea. We have to try this thing. We play test it really quickly, and then we move on to the next thing. <laughs> yeah, we've really been ramping up production on a couple of very exciting projects that I think you guys will really like, and we're actually going to make an announcement about one of those today. Yeah, I guess we could just say that right now. So yeah. let's do it. Yeah, one of the things we've been working on is Empires of the Void, and I know I, I'm always saying that I'm working on this game, but we're we're seriously working on it this time. We're reaching the end. <laughs> we're actually getting past. There's there's definitely sort of a mountain you have to climb, and we're sort of over the more, more the difficult part of that mountain. So now we actually need some help. We're gonna do blind playtesting for Empires of the Void, and if you are interested in participating, uh, the first thing is you have to be willing to print your own game. It's just a print and play thing, so it might be uh, 20 or 25 or 30 pages. I can't quite remember, but you'll have to be able to do that. Um, if you are interested, please. Wait, so that's like the size of the files for like all the components yeah. and, and everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You'll have to cut it out, um, and you can spiff it up with components that you have from other games or whatever you want to do. Um, so if you're interested, please send an email to andrew at redravengames.com mm-hmm. in the subject, put playtest, and then list your, in the email, list your name, your age, the uh, country where you live and list your favorite games and how often you play. And then if you also have any playtesting experience, please list that, but no, you don't have to have any experience to, right. to do this. Right. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I should say that uh, space is limited, so we won't be able to accept everyone that sends uh, a, a request. But uh, you know, we're definitely appreciative of any interest that anybody has. Yeah, and I can say from having done our in-house playtesting, this is a really fun game, you guys. <laughs> That's good to hear. You heard it from Brent. <laughs> yeah. Me approve. Yeah. So um, we all know that I'm an objective voice. <laughs> Now, um, if you're listening to this late, uh, it's probably too late because um, we're only accepting applicants in January 2017. But uh, so, if you're interested, move on it quick. <laughs> yeah. So, have you played any good games lately, you guys? I actually bought uh, this very old game, Star Wars: The Old Republic. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, the RPG. Yeah. Uh huh. Is that Bioware or? It is Bioware. Bioware. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't played much of it yet. But it's been a really weird experience for me because I didn't play a lot of that style of RPGs back in the day, like back when it was released. Now, is this uh, is this the MMO or is it the original game? No, it's the original game. Oh, okay, I think it's Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, probably. Yeah, and I the, yeah. the MMO is is it the Old Republic? I can't remember. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. But it's interesting because there's a lot of just the basic controls that feel really outdated now that have been really hard for me to get used to. Um, Like there's stuff like you can control 
your perspective, like your viewpoint from a first person, but you can't move like left and right using WASD. You can move forward and back. And you can like look around so that you can move I'm in different directions, but you yeah. can't move left and right, and that's been really hard for me <laughs> yeah. to get used to. It's all and from the mouse control. Yeah. Okay. Well, and there's and there's just a lot of little stuff like that, just little control stuff. Yeah. Where this is definitely very much more in the old school D and D inspired type RPG, whereas mm-hmm. more modern RPGs, like even the modern stuff Bioware does, like Mass Effect and Dragon Age. They play completely differently. Yeah. But in this game, they even they have all of the D&D style like uh, skill attributes and oh, the yeah. modifiers. and. Oh, yeah. The, I mean, the system is, is D&D 3rd edition. Yeah. It's the, they took the book. I mean, the, so 3rd edition, they, they made a Star Wars version with 3rd edition. Mm. And then they used that. I'm pretty sure they used that for the game. Yeah. Which yeah. Is, it is weird to kind it's, of see that. It's a very strange experience for me, since yeah. that's not what I'm used to. <laughs> I played that game, I remember, when I was a teenager, and uh, I had fun with it. I never finished it, though. Um, I finally got the ship, and I went to, you know, the Wookiee planet, and then mm-hmm. yeah, when, where I stopped. When I was a teenager, I played uh, Harvest Moon, Professor Layton, and Ace Attorney. Though <laughs> 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 I was not an RPG player. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. So that sort of happened to you later. Yeah, I got into it. I didn't get into... I didn't even play the first Mass Effect game until I was a sophomore in college. Oh, wow. Yeah, Yeah. so I I definitely came late to that genre. Yeah, that's cool. The one thing I remember playing uh, uh, Knights of the Old Republic Mm -hmm. back in the day is... I know. I always, I always compare everything to the stuff Bioware did previously. But, yeah. Uh, so comparing it to like uh, Baldur's Gate Two, for example, I remember thinking that the combat. I I was never as excited in Knights of the Old Republic because suddenly they took away my whole party. I just get one guy. You have a party, but you can't directly control it. Or can mm-hmm. you? Can you? I, I can't, can't remember. Go. I think you can, but you can it's kind of complicated. You, you can, do. You have it's to not switch as between them. Clean as, as yeah. maybe the other ones, and like it all feels a little clunky. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you can only have two party members or like one party member. It's or limited. Yeah, I'm it's not something sure. like that. And I just remember thinking that the Baldur's Gate battles were so quick and um, they they were so tight. Like you had to pause, and then you had to sort of you know tactically figure out the best move and move this guy over here and move this guy over here, but. In, in Star Wars, suddenly it's like all that kind of was gone, and, and it was just one guy shooting, sort of slowly. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I, I th- no, I, <laughs> I'm kind of saying this as a criticism, but I like the game. You know, I think it's well, a cool yeah. game. But it's interesting to compare it to other games and to look at how things have changed because it definitely does feel like a very strange uh, fighting system. It's not exactly turn-based, but it's like where you have to pause and give your people commands, and then you just sit there while they yeah. shoot at each other. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you have to weird. hit one that, button to keep shooting. And, and what's interesting is, you know, just comparing it to the Baldur's Gate system, which is just like that, mm-hmm. except the Baldur's Gate system felt faster and more strategic to me. Than and see, my... The, uh, I'm sure people will argue with well, you know, yeah. me. Let me jump in here. So... Because the, the Star Wars game came out how many years after Baldur's Gate? It was like 2002. It was like Xbox era. Yeah, right? it was like, yeah. five, I'm going to guess, five years after, four years after. 
all those like all those, Dale, all those older the old ones. Yeah. yeah, you know, I I'll say I do like Old Republic. Everyone recommended it to me for years, and I didn't get on board till only a year or two ago. And like Ryan, I've also not finished this one yet. Uh, I've gotten I don't know, you know, fifteen twenty hours into it. Yeah. But there are some That's about there right. are some funny similarities because after doing all these like gambling halls and 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 dealing with huts and going into sewers and fighting and all these kinds of things, I just remember sitting there with like droids out in front of me at a distance and starting to try to shoot them with blasters and pausing it and then reassigning my abilities and then shooting again and having you just go miss, miss, <laughs> yeah. miss, that's how the combat miss. And that's you exactly how Baldur's Gate, think how many times you're swinging swords or clubs and you're just missing your, like trying to fight a troll it's and you're not, and you're like, wait, why is he not going hitting. down? And you're like, oh, I need to use like a fire spell. Yeah. Otherwise it doesn't hurt it doesn't the guy. Hurt the guy. So, so that's like yeah. a, that's a thing from that era. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you had a party of six people, even with all the missing, like it didn't feel as bad because somebody was always hitting. Yeah. <laughs> but when you're down to one guy, they're missing like every time. <laughs> well, and my point of comparison for the for the battle system is Bioware's newer games rather than their older games. Right. So like in Mass Effect, which is their original space RPG property. Like, it's a third-person shooter. Like, you're hitting the button to shoot every time. You don't yeah. hit a button and just let them shoot. Well, like, and that feels... one was more like the like the, uh, the the Knights of the Old Republic, but by two, right, it was a lot yeah. more first-person shooter even then. And, well, it's not it's not first-person shooter, though. It's third-person shooter. Well, uh, which, yeah, sorry, yeah, right. Is sounds pedantic, but it's kind of an important distinction for me. Oh, no, I can't yeah. play first-person yeah. shooters, yeah. but I'm pretty good at Mass Effect. Yeah. But I suck at all first person shooters. <laughs> but it feels it just feels more immediate and engaging and kind of more thematic for a space property where you're shooting things than just hitting a button and just letting yeah, them go. Yeah, I, I agree. You know? I think the strength of Knights of the Old Republic is the I got engrossed in the story. I thought yeah. the dialogue was good. I thought the story was interesting. I already got that impression just from the beginning of it that it yeah. seems like the the story and the role playing the role playing are is good in that game are the strengths of that game right. compared to, like, even if some of the game mechanics feel clunky now from a modern perspective, yeah. there's still a lot of interesting content in there. Yeah, exploring, like, the Star Wars universe a thousand years before the events of yeah. the movies is kind of... So, Brenda, you're, you are kind of... I don't know if... I don't want to get this wrong, but you're kind of new to Star Wars stuff. Or, or it's yeah. Kind of, the door opened for you, would you say, since watching... Uh, Rogue the One, new right? Movies. Yeah, well, I watched The Force Awakens, too, and I really liked that. But, yeah, yeah definitely uh, Rogue One made me care about the Star Wars universe more than anything else yeah. ever has. So how do you like the, the game, I guess, with it kind of expanding beyond just, like, the movies? I think it's interesting so far. I haven't played that much of it yet. I was slightly confused by some of the terminology just from my base knowledge of Star Wars. Like, they keep talking about Dark Jedis, but aren't they just Sith Lords? Yeah. <laughs> aren't Dark Jedis yeah. called Sith Lords? For a long time, Dark yes. Jedi, I think, were existing before they even termed them Sith. But I think they, Sith kind of came afterwards, and then... But in the game, them. but in the game, they're talking about, oh, the Sith are going to come attack. Oh, look, that person's fighting a Dark Jedi. That's true. Mm. I don't know. Maybe... Uh, I'm not a Maybe Sith I'm sure someone will tweet at us and explain the lore. Force users, but Jedi are like of an order with certain 
the leaves or tenons and maybe the Sith of the Dark Jedi or like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that was I, mean, my I do gym. remember <laughs> them saying this takes like thousands of years before the movies. Yeah. The game does. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, so I actually haven't played many games myself. I've just been working on our projects too much. I've not He's been played. making games. Yeah. <laughs> We've all been really yeah. heavily invested in playing a lot of games here in the office. But once again, sadly, games we can't tell you yeah. about too much. <laughs> I can't wait till we can. But, um, you know, um, I've not been playing a lot of board games. Um, a lot of my normal times have just not worked out. I think it's the holiday still kind of carrying over. Yeah. Um, but I have played. Um, my wife and I kind of picked a night that we're going to try to play games on the regular. But the caveat is this. So my wife, uh, Janae, she's, uh, she's always bemoaning that we never play the same game twice because I have so many games Come in my on. game collection. Come on, the new here. She doesn't ever... <laughs> so, so, so Janae's a person who's only been able to play Catan like twice. Wow. Ever since we've known each other. And she loves it. It's like, why do we ever play that? Or whether it's Carcassonne or whatever. So, so we don't see the same game twice. And if we do, they're always like a party game because they're easy to bring out of like a get-together. So we had a big discussion, and she was on kind of more wanting to do something like a Greek alert or something like that. I said, I really want to do kind of an adventure style game or something I can sink my teeth into that we can play over and over and over that will, um, uh, I guess, just be different every time we play it. And it's kind of uncharacteristic for me, the game I picked, but we decided to go with, and both of us agreed, to go with Talisman. Oh, yeah. Now, the reason for this is because Talisman is going to like a vault. Like games workshops and Fantasy Flight are like their partnership, I guess, is 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 ending. dispersing or ending, yeah. and so everything that's out there on the market is going up, like price, fetching high prices oh, yeah. on Amazon. And so I was like, that's my fixating collector focus for the next few months is trying to get everything uh, picked up. Yeah, and we've really had a good time. We we start with the base game, and we've now played uh, each uh, four games. We've done an expansion, a game. And we've now made it to like a third expansion, and it's great. The decks of cards are like a foot tall uh, <laughs> with all these cards. Wow. Come you on. were showing me all this content yeah. you had, like all the expansion stuff, and it's just this massive it setting really you can explore. So it has this big rectangular board. This game's from the 80s, and basically you roll, it's roll and move. You roll a die, you can move either to the right on the squares or to the left, and it takes up a full table, but then they started making these L-shaped boards that fit on the, like corners stick on the corner of the big so you one. Got more spaces to go visit. More locations, <laughs> like a forest or a dungeon or a city. Yeah. And, and we haven't got, we've only, we've only added one L-shaped board so far. So we've now done the Sacred Moon, the Frost March, the Reaper, and the Dungeon Expansion. So we still have like 20 to go. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's been a lot wow. of fun. Um, you know, I, I guess sometimes all of us, we kind of get a, the Cult of the New, right? Always playing the newest of the new kind of games. Yeah. And something like Talisman is, by a Eurogame standards, it's very snubbed, right? It's kind of like, it's so archaic, the mechanics <laughs> are all outdated. The roll-and-move thing. It's really right. unbalanced, but for some reason, it's I just am in that part of my life where I like the past of being able to sit down and play something that I don't have to think about too hard, that we can look forward to on regular and have a game that's the go-to that doesn't make any stress of like, oh, how exhausting this game could be and prepare yeah. ourselves. And, and it's working. So we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah. It looks cool. I mean, yeah. I want to play it, you know? Yeah. I'm yeah. looking at it. I want to try it. That's it one fun. we should add to our list. The other one I really I want to play more with you guys, or if we ever have an opportunity, 
is the one that my buddy got for me back on Christmas, which, which is the Divinity Original Sin. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I played that a lot more. Oh, yeah. And it's been it's been growing on me. I mean, this is again very much like what you're talking about, mm-hmm. with like the Bioware kind of games. It fits. It has the here's a story, and you have all the different options. And I'm just loving getting in arguments with my buddy and like disagreeing or agreeing and seeing the perk points of like your attributes change based on the decisions you make. Yeah. I mean, that's no surprise, right? I think we've all, we all have worked on, we all, you know, near and far is very dear to all of us. So mm-hmm. these kind of games, I think, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. some of my little sisters have started a Pathfinder campaign with like online playing with one of our cousins and stuff <laughs> like over Skype. Oh, neat. And it sounds like so much fun. I went over there on Saturday, and they were talking about how they're currently trying to escape from prison in the campaign. <laughs> and this is a campaign that's been, like, written and invented, like, by my 13-year-old sister. Right. They always come up with the funnest ideas. So I definitely want to try to get a Pathfinder campaign running with them sometime, if they'll let me in on one of their games, because they have, they have fun with it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. RPGs are definitely something I enjoy. Like, I played pen and paper RPGs. I've been playing those for a lot of my life. Like, not really intense, like, not super long campaigns. But I had a werewolf campaign going in high school that I really liked. I used to like Paranoia a lot, and I've played, uh, like, at least started a few D&D campaigns. So I've been playing pen and paper RPGs for way longer than I've been playing, like, Western computer game computer RPGs. RPGs. Yeah. Oh. yeah, interesting. It's been years since I've played a real RPG. The fun thing about pen and paper RPGs compared to computer RPGs is you really do have total freedom of role-playing. And that's always how my family loves to play it, is we just make up the most ridiculous characters. We have the funnest improv comedy moments. Like We have a really good time. And we always care a lot more about the story and how it works in the story than the mechanics. Oh, yeah, that's you know? the best way to do it mm-hmm. for pen and paper. We're not beholden yeah, to the rules. Yeah. You hang on to them too well, much like a crutch. You're going to be lost in those rule books and arguments. Yeah. It's so not way but to sometimes, play. Not but sometimes <laughs> the rules and the dice can make for really fun moments. Like during my werewolf campaign that I was playing with one of my sisters and some of our friends back in high school, I was playing like this big, boisterous Russian werewolf guy, and my sister was playing this. Uh, sort of incompetent con man character and I consistently rolled super high and did these amazing feats that I shouldn't have been able to do and Rose consistently rolled terribly so she could so her character was always failing at everything and they made a really fun pair of like friends in the story because Boston the character couldn't do anything and Yevgeny the character could do like anything <laughs> so I, I want to ask this so we're talking about this but again so what are what are your favorite uh, role playing games? I mean, we've all played, like pen and paper. Like pen and paper, we've all role played. So I mean, we don't talk about that. Oh. Kind of, for me, I know I don't get as many opportunities for that. Yeah. Uh, and nowadays, I mean, responsibility of life and all that. Yeah. It's hard <laughs> to keep a campaign going. Yeah. You know, but yeah. my favorite is definitely Paranoia. Okay. Which I know is a more obscure one, but it's that sort of crazy fun. Uh, paranoid, dystopian, right. future-type thing. And that's the one that has that new edition coming out? Yeah, I'm okay. definitely interested in getting the new edition. But basically, for those who don't know, the premise of Paranoia is that 
this is a post-apocalypse. Everyone's living underground in this dystopia controlled by this all-powerful computer. And your characters are agents of the computer. And basically the rules are set up in such a way, the rules of the society as well as the rules of the game, that you can't not break them. But if you break the rules, then you get automatically executed. So it's a it's a game of like trying to so strategically yeah oh it's a very <laughs> short game. one session it is a very it's a one session game and it's very short yeah. but it's a game of trying to creatively break the computer's rules to succeed in doing things but or to maybe catch out your fellows breaking the rules and report them so that you can get some extra brownie points with the computer and you have like a set of clones that will replace you if you get killed so you've got like a built-in sort of life set so you can get killed a few times as you go but yeah it's a fast-paced funny game of trying to find the most ridiculous ways in which to die and betray each other so it's a good time sounds fun and it has one of the funniest rule books i've ever read like just just reading the rule book just full of characters just super fun (laughs) just to read them yeah yeah my favorite is probably um rifts uh it's such a weird setting (laughs) i never expected that interesting (laughs) yeah I just like the crazy setting and the robots and the weird aliens and the you can throw anything you want in that game and it yeah. kind of makes sense. So. I'm not familiar with rifts, but robots and weird aliens appeals to me. Yeah. It's like a it's like a, a future world where like Australia has like robot kangaroos and Japan has like a cyber tech like android. Yeah. Every like continent and city and and, and like state or like yeah. country is just different. It has its own rule book. Its own every oh. every yeah every yeah every country has its own uh, book, and like uh, the idea is in the future these rifts open up and they tear apart the, the, the there's sort of these lines that cross the earth, and they bring back magic and then monsters and weird dimensional creatures come out of the rifts all over the place and it's sort of you know it's kind of a post-apocalyptic setting, mm-hmm. but uh, it's it's so strange i just like the yeah. the weird mix of stuff in it yeah that yeah. sounds cool it's like so magic what, with tech and uh, so what we've learned is that ryan and i like weird sci-fi <laughs> <laughs> well now I, what about andrew well, so i i've played tons of D and stuff over the years yeah and i will say pathfinder is probably my been my go-to system i have tons of pathfinder books and modules and i've read cover to cover all these adventures and so i'm really into that setting the galarian the world of galarian yeah. uh it's a very high fantasy but because I don't get to play as often anymore, if I could just sit down and play a game for like a session, kind of off what some of the things Brennan was saying made me start thinking, I actually want to play Star Wars um, Edge of the Empire. The new, the new ones where you're basically yeah. playing, like, you know, that one happens to be the bounty hunters and like the assassins. But what's really neat, and Brennan, you mentioned this, they got me thinking about it, where you liked uh, being able to just, the dice could determine what you did. And what's really neat about that system is basically you say whether you're going to do something to the GM. And mm-hmm. then you roll your dice, and the dice determine whether you're successful or fail. It's two symbols on the dice. And then it tells you how beneficial or negative the result is as two other symbols on the dice. So you could result with, like, a success, but lots of negative things happen off of it. And then the GM will narrate what happens. Or you could have, oh, you could wow. jump off. This is very, like, story Very story driven. Or you could jump off a platform to, drop, to, to catch a, a floating droid and miss it. But you get so much advantage that while you're falling, you land in some netting of some sort of like trash <laughs> yeah. droid vehicle going by, and you know, 
and and act, actually helps you get away from the the stormtroopers that were fighting, you know, chasing after you. And so it just dynamically the story gets told, and you get your characters, and everybody's just playing. And I've never seen like such a great story development through it, uh, you know. As and I've only, you know, those also have a way to just have a kind of a self encapsulated single session. The other thing is though. When you do that, uh, the, the pre-made books or the starter admissions always have the Star Wars scroll at the beginning. So you play the music, and um. you do the scroll. And I've even seen on YouTube, people have made taken the story scrolls and made them available with the music playing. <laughs> but then you have all the Star Wars music that you can play on the laptop while you're doing So you're just immersed in the Star Wars the whole yeah. time. And, and I just, uh, even though I played a character I thought was kind of boring, which was a Wookiee uh, gladiator who was like, you know, had a huge debt to pay to a hut lord. It was just so much fun walking around and seeing the droid who wanted to rise up, who was my partner, and rise up and, and t- t- you know, stop the fleshlings, the humans, you know. <laughs> I kept pulling his arms off and putting him back on and taking his head off and re- realigning it. And man, it was just a lot of fun. So, yeah. Good yeah. times. Uh, That's cool. Okay, real quick before we move on to the next segment. <laughs> What's your favorite class to play in classic D and D? Like the like the cliche set of classes. Oh, I'm always a wizard. Like if I can shoot, I love just having all the spells and yep. things. Yeah. I always try to go to the spell route. I don't ever find the satisfaction. So the one I always go to for satisfaction, warrior, hack and yeah. slash. I love it. <laughs> so easy. Um, I am absolutely the same way. I have. Warrior, I always play a tank class. I just want to rush in there and whack things. I don't want to have to think about it. But it's interesting because that's changed throughout my life. Yeah. When I was yeah. younger, I would always go rogue. I'd always uh, be the, the sneaky, clever one trying to avoid things. But then I'm like, it's so much easier just to be big and strong and just barrel on through. <laughs> it's yeah. like, well, if Craig were here, I'll tell you what Craig's favorite, and he always plays a rogue. Oh my yeah. gosh, every time. <laughs> Uh, what would be really fun, though, is this is another thing that one of my sisters was talking about, but she was talking about wanting to run a Pathfinder campaign where all of the player characters are bards. Interesting. So it's like a You're band. Like a it's a traveling group. band. <laughs> no, but she oh, would play a bard. I've I played a bard yeah, once. Yeah. That was fun. But she was saying it would be especially fun if all of them were a completely different musical style. So you have the rock bard, and you have the, the classical bard with their little harp, and then you've got, <laughs> like, every all these different incompatible musical-style bards, but they have to form a traveling band to yeah. save the world. I played I played in Pathfinder. If anyone's a Pathfinder lorehound, uh, a guy from Ustalev, and he was a, uh, he was, like, this, like, slayer bard nice. who had uh, a black fiddle that he would play but he didn't play it with his hands. He had magic that it would just rise up and play for itself. So I was always imagining this like dark, <laughs> black, gothic music playing. He's like had the big beard and the goatee and yeah. playing, playing a uh, evanescence on yeah. his floating <laughs> black. On his loot. While he was like while he was battling stuff. Wake me up with my help inside. <laughs> so we do have a listener question to answer today from uh, Liam Granberry again. Uh, he has some more questions about lore, and he's asking, so the Islebound Pirates have above and below stats on the opposite side of their tokens as an expansion. So are the refugees in above and below therefore near the ocean? Does that imply that the crisis that ultimately destroyed the homelands of the refugees in above and below will someday happen to the residents of the islands? <laughs> Ooh. 
Well, maybe you know, you never know. I mean, here's here's the real story though. So the refugees, yeah. <laughs> so this story is this story about. is not actually in the rule book. That, <laughs> is it not? That's I, the I false propaganda <laughs> that's shared. But this is the real deal, guys. Listen up. <laughs> okay, so uh, the refugees uh, they leave their old village after it gets burned, and they they find above and below land, and they build their town of above, right? Which is kind of far to the west, we could say, right? Uh, yeah. Right. They travel. Uh, west. And then they get to their, after they build up sort of a successful town, some of the people there, they get restless. They want more adventure, you know, so they travel south. And they um, reach this sea, which is the Islebound Sea. And the, all the islands have different towns on them, and then they start building their own town sort of by the sea. And so every player is building their own town along the seaside. Like settlements, right? Like little... Yeah, sort of settlement. And the idea is that you have you can see your little, uh, there's like a dock on your corner piece on Islebound. That's not the town you're building. That's just sort of your corner port. And the, the, the city you're building is like further inland. You see there's a little road that kind of goes off the board. You can't see it. That's why players can take over your port, but they're not taking over the building row that you have. Back so, inland. It's like safely tucked away. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, maybe those original barbarians will wander down to the... Islebound sea archipelago cause yeah. Yeah, the archipelago yeah. and cause mischief. I don't know. Did so, that answer sort of the? I think so. Most of that? I so, think so. So if I were visualizing, so if people haven't seen near and far, probably a lot of them yet, but we may have put some pictures of the maps. Like the first starting map, I know has like located uh, above, like the town of above. Sure, is yeah, on it's there. right there. So on the bottom of the board, there's kind of like a range of mountains. Yeah. So is. So would you say that it's from those mountains? It's like south of those mountains. Yeah, you have to, you, they have to kind of climb through some mountains. They sort of leave the lands behind. And then the coast is like on the other side of the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a ways away. It's not close. So yeah. so then you cool. can say that you know when you're using the Islebound characters in Above and Below, it's because you know they've traveled back home. Oh, they've come back home. They've, they've come learned back home, some skills on the uh, you know yeah. on the sea on the high or, sea. Or some of them are actually from the Islebound archipelago and they've decided to travel north back to above and below land. I don't know. I didn't think about this too seriously. Yeah. Listen. Listen. People move. Okay. Next question. What is the continent that above is located? What is the name of the state? Right, right. What governments is uh, in charge? Uh, yes. Yeah, and uh, Liam Granberry also sent us another eight-minute game design suggestion. But we might save that for another week. Yeah. We're actually thinking about making that sort of a regular segment because we think it's fun and people seem to enjoy what we came up with. So we if you game design, yeah, <laughs> yep. All of our games we design take about that long. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so if you so if you want to suggest your own eight minute game design prompts, if you have any basic ideas that you want us to riff off of to design a game real quick, you can. You can tweet at us on Twitter. Yeah, at Red Raven Game. At Red Raven Game. You could send them to me in an email, Brenna at RedRavenGames.com, and we'll get through some of the ones that interest us. Yeah, that's it. So I have another lingering question from some of the things we talked about earlier real quick. Okay. You're talking about first person versus third person. Yes. So this is a very important question for everyone. <laughs> How do you play Skyrim? First person or third person? I play it first person. 
Okay. Me too, actually. I play it first person. And see, I, I like I love Mass Effect's third person, bringing back to that point. I was like, but usually, I don't know, I seem to go for first person, but I don't really like first person shooters, so well, like, what does that make of me? I don't know. <laughs> I definitely I definitely prefer third person games in general, but specifically with the mechanics of Skyrim, it's definitely designed to be played in first person. It's harder yeah. to play in third person just because that's not what it's designed for. Yeah. Cool beans, I was I've yeah. never even tried to play in third person. I, it sounds like it would be difficult. You're trying to find a flower and you're trying to find a cursor. Right. Yeah, like, you can't. It sounds confusing. <laughs> it's harder. <laughs> but no, the other funny story about Skyrim is I've been playing it some more recently. After 80 hours of gameplay, I've finally started on the main story quests. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Do they scale the difficulty in that game? I Are think you like so. super high level and like you're just gonna rush through everything? I kind of have been, but <laughs> I think they make it easier. It's it, you know. No, but the funny thing is, is I've always played Skyrim unmodded, like completely unmodded. I've never done any mods. Yeah, well, which a lot of people, yeah. mm-hmm. a lot of people would consider that like blasphemy. Like I have some friends who are super into Skyrim modding. So this week I decided I'd like I'd try it. And so I went to, like, the basic thing to describe all the things you need to download before you can even download one mod. And, like, uh, it's yeah. so intimidating. One small thing went I wrong. I looked with, at that, too, and I was like, oh, this is a lot of work. I just want to play a game. <laughs> it's a lot of work, and it's intimidating. So I was downloading these things, and one thing went wrong with one of the programs where I, like, set one parameter wrong, and then it was like, nope, can't do this. And, like, every time I went into it, it was like, nope, it's gone. Nope. And I'm like, okay, I give up. So I'm I'm playing it unmodded still. We are kindred (laughs) souls and spirits today because I have been playing a lot of Skyrim. I'm on my fourth playthrough. I beat it twice without, and this is my first time, well, my first successful attempt to try to play with mods. Because the last time I tried, everything crashed, and I had to restart. So I had some help from my brother, and he showed me this other mod service that you can use that... I guess Nexus mods, I guess it was what it's yeah. called. And it was confusing, but once I got it, I had a couple crashes, and then finally I said, no more. I'm never adding another one. Once I get this thing to work, it took me about two hours to get it back to a state I can play, and now it's great. And I hope I never have another problem, and I will never <laughs> yeah. use mods ever again. But it, just it does add a lot of content, which, I, you know, there's one uh, thing I thought was cool on there that all this uncut floor content for character development and stories and quests that were never in the original game, you can add back in, and it's like another whole quarter of the game of content, wow. so I'm really enjoying that. That's cool. Yeah. I've just, uh, and so somewhat jokingly, so don't get offended, of the opinion that, you know, I just want to play Skyrim as the bad game that Bethesda intended it to be. <laughs> get that oh, true, uncut, you mean the bad game experience, unmodded, oh, bad game. You haven't finished it, I'm telling you. Once you put 400 okay. plus right. hours, it's, you'll be a believer, I listen, promise. Listen, listen, <laughs> You gotta listen. give it like 200 hours, though, before it starts getting good. Listen. <laughs> hey, I enjoyed the vanilla version no, yeah, right good. out the it's gate. Right. Listen, <laughs> it's a fun game. I've played 80 hours of it. It's not a good game. Let Nothing Bethesda's ever made has been a good game. Well, on the other side of the coin here is, if uh, anyone's, all of us have put oh, that many hours into a game, can we really say it's a bad game? They're so ugly and full of bugs, though. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I don't like an, Bethesda, it's such a, but... It's such an, an experience, though. It really is. You know, it's such an engrossing experience. Very I, I can't deny it. And even my third or fourth time, I even know what to expect from going to certain locations. 
I'm just caught up it's in this so wanderlust. Yeah. I love it. I don't it's know what it is. No other, I want to live in that world. It's so yeah. beautiful. No other game <laughs> lets me be lets me be an orc lady and uh, a real estate mogul going around getting <laughs> a bunch of houses. But you can play it so many ways, you know. It's yeah. it's, it's pretty amazing. Honestly, and it's still being played a lot. It's that that says something about the yeah. the design. Honestly, this is a weird nitpicky thing, but how come you can't play as orcs in more games? I want to be uh, an orc lady. Well, yeah. You can play as an orc in uh, Blizzard games. <laughs> yeah, they're so badly designed, though. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I want to I want to play not overtly sexualized orc ladies. I want to uh, play orc ladies that are of similar... have similar looks to the men. <laughs> well, there you go, Blizzard. Now you know. Listen to my critique. <laughs> yeah. you, don't always, you don't always have to make the female version of whatever fantasy race sexy <laughs> just saying there you go there you go well thank you for joining us today mm-hmm. uh please visit our website redravengames.com follow us on twitter at redravengame yep you can follow me on twitter at brenna underscore Aspland. and me uh Andrew one and with uh some of these things we're working on we mentioned again you know if you're interested in playtesting you know follow the instructions we provided and we do have the uh, Red Raven Journey program. It is now launched, and we are still looking for people who are interested. If you're wanting to be a volunteer and participate at you know local stores and teaching people the games or at conventions, uh, go over to the Red, Wave, Red, Red Raven Games website and go to the events page, and you can look at see the RRJP information about how to how to get some information about that and apply. Yeah. I would also like to say a quick thank you to Fluid Volt for the use of our theme song, Doggy Goes Moo, off of the album Clay Memories. You can find more of their music on soundcloud.com slash fluidvolt. All right. Have a good week, everybody. See ya. Have fun. Nevermore. because we have a bit in there where we talk about quicker games, you know? Really? Which, what kind of games? Like cookie, cookie clicker and games like that where oh, you just hit a button and it increases various gauges, yeah. The gauge. What's funny is when I, when I was listening through it, editing it, I was playing one of those on my phone <laughs> when that part came up and I'm like, oh, that's me. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah.